Low returns on your investments? Well, that's what more than one expert is predicting for the future. How does that affect your long-range goals, your planning, and your pocketbook? Maybe significantly. We'll dive into that topic with comedian and host of the Crazy Money Podcast, Paul Ollinger, on today's Money with Friends. Welcome to the Money with Friends podcast, coming to you live from my mom's half-finished basement outside Detroit, Michigan, where we make the Stacky Benjamin Show. I'm Joe Saul Cihai. I'm Paul Ollinger, coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia, where Falcons were not in the Super Bowl again this year. What happened there? They took pity on their fans and took themselves out in like week six. So That that was very nice of them. Then you didn't have to spend all that money. Saved me a a lot of time on Sunday afternoons in the fall, so I appreciate you guys. This is the show uh, that includes commentary on recent headlines. Today's coming to us from MarketWatch and stories with thought leaders like Mr. Ollinger from across the financial landscape. We break them down into what matters to you, our friends, and we leave you with a takeaway to make it your own and do that six days a week in uh, just over 15 minutes. And as I mentioned, Mr. Ollinger, Paul Ollinger here with us uh, off the road from the tour for once. Uh, Last time I saw you, you were on tour and... Mm. um, going crazy yeah i had uh, a very glamorous tour of some of ohio's greatest landmarks in, in december uh, columbus dayton and toledo it's a hell of a month when columbus is your highlight joe that's <laughs> that's like the peak of your career heading yeah, to columbus I go back to syracuse in march uh to celebrate my 51st birthday in syracuse in march so uh, i'm pretty pumped about that you were only just over a year behind me big guy i didn't know right? you were another old guy yeah i am I'm I'm solidly into the back half of the of the life. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about what you do. Uh, you've got this awesome podcast called Crazy Money. Tell everybody about it. Yeah, well, Crazy Money came out of this i th- th- this life lesson I had. I I was very fortunate to join Facebook as an early employee. I was about employee number two hundred and fifty, and then uh, I I got to a certain point where the stock was worth more money than I ever thought I'd I'd have, and I was like, screw this work stuff. I'm out of here. And I quit my job and uh, started playing golf and 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 wasting away my days. And then I find my found myself very lonely, bored, and depressed. And realized that work is about way more than just a paycheck, and that early retirement is not is not our life goal, or should not be our life goal. We should be pursuing a life of meaning, part of which is work. Anyway, so I had that experience, and I want to explore the connection between money and happiness and careers. And that's what Crazy Money is all about. I've interviewed uh, everybody from my 93-year-old dad to Nobel Prize winners to uh, award-winning broadcasters and journalists like Joe and Bobby, but also Dr. Drew, Adam Carolla, Sir Angus Deaton, uh, many popular authors like Bill Browder, uh, Ryan Holiday, and, and, and many, many more. What I love is the fact that every week you have no idea what's coming up next. Like it is the, the fabric of that show is uh, a mile wide. <laughs> well, I, uh, yeah, like last week I interviewed a business professor from London who is a practicing Buddhist. And we talked about what we can learn about, uh, about, uh, money from, from Buddhism. Um, you know, this week I just interviewed a guy who a few years ago, his family sold their big house and they donated, uh, half the proceeds to a village in Ghana. So, you know, it does run the gamut. 
I felt bad when I was on because I think I had to follow the Harvard professor and I felt very, <laughs> very inadequate talking about yeah. making money playful. After one, that week was, was, one week, it was the world's most influential living philosopher. And the next week, it was Joe from Detroit. Joe, right. Well, uh, luckily, we got Paul here today. By the way, today's show is brought to you by Tiller Money, your financial life in a spreadsheet automatically updated every day. Only Tiller Money automatically updates Google Sheets and Excel with your daily spending transactions and account balances to get 20% off your annual subscription. Head to tillerhq.com forward slash MWF. So thanks to them for sponsoring the show. We've got Paul here. We've got a great headline. So let's see which one of our uh, friends is going to help us kick off today's show. This is Scott from the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. The money talking party starts now. It's time for Money with Friends. All right. Today's headline comes to us from MarketWatch. Uh, and the headline reads, here's how a top hedge fund manager says investors should prepare for, quote, soberingly low returns. This is written by Callum Cowan. And by the way, uh, Paul, just so you know, the the reason I picked this, I have Flipboard and I'm flipping across and I see soberingly low and right. my finger went, don't click, don't click. Oh, don't. <laughs> and I did. Yeah. It's, what, what is that telling us about what's going on in your head? Joe? <laughs> this was Monday after the Super Bowl sobriety, clearly <laughs> heavy on your mind. It probably, probably was. Uh, Kellum writes, the threat of the spreading coronavirus has once again grabbed the headlines. Chinese markets plunged early this week, but not as much as feared as the country cushioned the blow with measures to stabilize the economy. After slumping on Friday to end a horrid January for U.S. stocks, the three main... What's that? Horrid. Didn't I say horrid? You did. Horrid. Uh, Oh, horrid, horrid. Yes. You're doing the echo like Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Amen. I gotcha. The three main indexes climbed on Monday as positivity returned despite the death toll from the virus rising. Over the longer term in our call the day investment management company, AQR said future returns would be, quote, soberingly low and investors would have to choose from an unappetizing menu of low yielding assets. I love that. Ouch. The company, which was co-founded by Cliff Asnes, said it expected the real return of the traditional U.S. portfolio, which is 60% stocks, 40% bonds, over the next five to 10 years to be, wait for it, 2.4%. This is around half of the long-term average since 1900. AQR said it expected 4% returns for U.S. large equities, while estimates for all asset classes were lower than a year ago. This is where I take over, right? This is it, man. By the way, what do you think Cliff Asnes's nickname was? Great. Oh, oh boy, I don't. Uh, I don't want to know. The estimates do not warrant aggressive tactical allocation responses. I sold everything yesterday based on this article. By the way, the hedge fund manager's company said, but it called for investors to reassess, reassess their objectives and expectations. As of January 2020, these estimates are soberingly, there's that word again, low. They suggest that over the next decade, many investors may struggle to meet return objectives anchored to a rosier past. Ah, aren't we all living in the past? Low expected cash returns are one clear culprit dragging down expected total returns on all risky investments. AQR's Capital Markets Assumptions study added, investment objectives may need to be reassessed, even if this necessitates higher contribution rates and lower expected payouts. What? And the case for diversifying away from traditional equity 
and term premia is arguably stronger than ever. I think we'll uh, stay away from the term, term premia. <laughs> premia, yeah. Whatever sure. that is. But, yes. but, 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 but let, of premium. let's dive into the rest of this. I mean, you said you sold everything, obviously joking, but when you read this the first time, Paul, what was your first thought? Well, a couple of things. One, we're due for a hangover because we've been partying for a decade on low interest rates. And if there will be time to pay the piper at some point in the future, 2.4% for a few years doesn't sound tragic given what could happen if if the world sees a black swan like the coronavirus or corporate debt or government debt coming back to bite us in the rear. And, you, you want to make a point. Well, well, and I was just thinking too, this isn't as bad as people think because uh, partly most people don't understand what real return means. That is also return after inflation. So if we add in 4% inflation, they're really talking about a 6.5% rate of return. Um, uh, is inflation that high right now? I thought inflation uh, I, was like almost nothing right now. No, inflation is almost nothing. But when you do a financial plan, you'll use a number like three or 4% in your financial plan. Mm-hmm. So so um, if you're planning on uh, inflation, that's, I mean, that's where the, the stocks doing nine, 10, whatever percent is based on in a, in a very aggressive plan would include inflation. Um, so if you're not including inflation, having it be two and a half percent is bad, but not super horrible. The, the other thing that struck me was that a lot of people are chasing equities right now because a traditional reliance on cash just doesn't make sense in, a, in an era where you're getting zero percent on on your liquid holdings. Right. So seniors, people on fixed incomes, they've been they've been looking for some kind of return by playing the market. And if those if those things go away, a whole lot of people's cash beyond Social Security dries up or they get even riskier and start start to try to start playing more dangerous uh, games like like options and stuff. That's where I agree with this piece, Paul. I mean, when I first when I first read it, part of the reason I wanted to talk about it was, frankly, the the, the headlines clickbait, and and <laughs> and and people will get. I mean, people read this stuff all the time, and I know because when I was a financial planner, people would bring this stuff into my office and go, "Joe, what do you think about this?" Soberingly low. We need to change things. No, we don't. We don't. Who who cares what this guy says? But I do agree with some of the points in the piece, and to your point. I like them saying that uh, over the next decade, many investors may struggle to meet return objectives anchored to a rosier past. So if you're somebody who has a financial plan that's betting on these high returns, now they're going to have to do exactly what you're talking about, which is instead of betting on uh, betting on an index, maybe they just bet on the uh Microsoft stock, you know, which right. has gone through the roof or Facebook stock or something like that. They might take tons of sectors, do just a sector bet instead of uh, a wide asset allocation. What did you think about this portfolio that they're that they're using as an example? Well, it's funny, the 60-40, 60% stocks, 40% bonds is a traditional U.S. portfolio, but I'll tell you that's not the traditional person. People so, are either. How old is this person that's got six? Is going sixty forty? How old should they be? Mm-hmm. Uh, seventy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If you're if you're forty and you're sixty percent stocks, forty percent bonds. I mean, it all depends on your goal. But mm-hmm. for most people who are either watching, hanging out with us today on Facebook as we make this, or listening, that's way too conservative, don't you think? Right. 
I think so. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's funny. We, we we do this live in front of a Facebook audience. Donna says two and a half percent is better than losing. But what's Damn funny, straight, Donna? Damn straight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and that two and a half percent, Donna, once again is real return. So you're actually making something. Two and a half percent here, Paul. Just to just to to talk about what Donna's talking about is not like two and a half percent in a money market. If you're earning two and a half percent in a money market, inflation does happen to be three. You are very safely losing money. <laughs> right, right. You're not getting any closer to your goals. This is actually two and a half percent on top of inflation. So, yeah, not not horrible. But um, but I think overall, when it comes to building a plan, Paul, as I try to think about like what do we do with all this stuff, if you build your plan in the first place and the plan doesn't include a high rate of return, then what do you have to do? I mean, then you have to save more. You have to figure out ways to maybe earn more or cut unnecessary expenses. Like all the stuff that you can actually do yourself, uh, that you can control, um, is the crux of your plan versus a plan where we're betting on the stock market to do big things. Yeah. Theoretically, theoretically, if all these years in the past, you've had the same objective outcome, you know, whatever it is, five or 6%, you should have been plowing that excess back into your portfolio, right? Right. Did people do that? (laughs) (laughs) Honey, look at we all, we, we, all the money we just made. Let's, you know, put an extension on the house. We all know that we, we should save more and, you know, eat less. I, I know I need to lose 10 pounds, but man, I saw some Fritos that were sitting right next to, you know, the leftovers at lunch today. I ate them. That's they're, what happened. They're no longer there. They're no longer there. You found they're a good home. There. So, I mean, yeah, we sh- what is the solution in times like this? It's spend, spend less and save more, you know, cut back on stuff that you don't need and wait and see what happens. And if we're pleasantly surprised and 2.4 becomes 4.1, then, you know, treat yourself or, 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 you know, split the difference and put half of it back into the portfolio. Over promise, under deliver. No, the opposite of that. Over, oh, right. (laughs) You've been in sales, clearly. I have, I've definitely been. Oh, that's what we said internally at the meeting. Yes. What we meant was under promise, over deliver. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. In just a second, Paul and I are going to have our big takeaway from today's uh, piece. But while we let Paul gather what's probably going to be some incredible thoughts about this, uh, I'd like to talk for just a second about Tiller money, because Tiller is what I use to manage my uh, budget. And the reason I use Tiller is because I like things simple. Now, usually simple and spreadsheet don't go together. But what I love about Tiller is, is that a lot of the apps that I've tried to use to look at my expenses and manage my budget had all kinds of bells and whistles I didn't want. With Tiller, automatically my budget gets updated every day. And because it's a spreadsheet, there were a bunch of lines I didn't want. I was able to take them out. And what's neat about how Tiller works is there's a whole community of people that are creating different budget sheets. So I don't have to be a spreadsheet wizard to use Tiller. The cool thing is, is if you go to TillerHQ.com, you can check it out for free, kick the tires. However, you have to use our link to get 20% off if later you decide to use it. It's TillerHQ.com forward slash MWF as in money with friends. That's TillerHQ.com forward slash MWF for 20% off. And it's funny. I think you were the person, Paul, when you're like, what's MWF? I'm like, uh, money with friends. Paul goes, I thought it was Monday, Wednesday, Friday. 
Yeah. Well, it was in an email. It was a different context. <laughs> you didn't italicize it. It had to italicize it. I should have. I should have. big on syntax in my emails. So. Although Paul did say that his expectations from this podcast were soberingly low. He used that saying. <laughs> that's, that's funny. That's funny. I'm going to open with that. Save stuff. Uh, I like Donna's takeaway. Donna's going to steal our thunder, Paul. Donna says, if you plan for less, you won't panic or get discouraged. I like that too. Yeah, absolutely. All and right. I, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, do it, man. What's your big takeaway from this piece and this discussion? I think we all need to gird our financial loins because the next few years are probably not going to be as good as the last few years. And we need to remember how to keep control of our emotions when the bad stuff does eventually come down the pike. Don't get on the phone and sell everything. Don't lose faith in your decision-making. Run the playbook. I love that takeaway because it, it, uh, it dovetails into what I was going to say, which is if you always plan for less, you can always do greater things. But in lots of people's plans, I saw them have these crazy expectations for things that they couldn't control. And because of that, they ended up having to cut things they didn't want to cut. They had to either move, downsize vehicles, take on extra work that they didn't want, plan for lower, and then get bigger. And I think that uh, I think that's a winning strategy whenever you plan. Uh, I, I just I think about um, any budget works better when you when you think oh expenses are going to be through the roof and then surprise surprise they're not. Flexibility, I guess, Paul wins the day. Amen. Rebecca says. Quoting me, I was the first one to say this. Start with the end in mind. You were the first one to say it? I was the first one ever. Yes. You and absolutely. Abe Lincoln. What? I think, I think you're, you, you and Abe Lincoln are the most over-attributed quoters on the internet. My favorite quote from Abe Lincoln is the one that says, don't believe everything you see on the internet, Abe Lincoln. That's, that's, that's absolutely, that's perfect. That's the that's one. Perfect. Paul, tell us what's coming up on Crazy Money. What's coming up on Crazy Money? Let me see. We've got a guy named Kevin Salwin uh, on tomorrow's episode. He wrote a book called The Power of Half, and it's all about the uh, experience he had when he sold his his house. His his daughter, son, and wife all agreed they were going to sell their house and donate half the proceeds to charity. Uh, he's also the co-author of a book called The Suspect, which uh, was is the book about the Atlanta Olympics and the bombing in Centennial Park. And the the suspect that the FBI named was a guy named Richard Jewell, yeah. security guard there. Now, the movie Richard Jewell just came out. Clint Eastwood uh, directed it. And uh, Kevin was a consultant to the film, uh, uh, in addition to being the co-author of this book that came out at about the same time. So he's a pretty interesting cat. And you know, philanthropy is one of those things that keeps coming up on Crazy Money because as we think about what are the things that money can do for us to make us happier? Research keeps coming back to say, when you give, you get. When you give, you get. So the more you can find uh, ways in your budget, speaking of budgets, to include giving a little bit of a way to help other people, the happier you might just be thanks to some of that money. And you'll find the Crazy Money Podcast wherever finer podcasts are distributed. Only the finest podcast. It's on the reserve list. At uh, on, on app iTunes, ask your iTunes server to bring you the the, the thick binder of water in the back. 
And we'll have a link to uh, Crazy Money on our on our uh, website, which is uh, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. On behalf of Paul, I'm Joe. We'll see you guys back here, Paul and I, again together tomorrow on Money with Friends. Bye-bye. This show is created and hosted by Joe Saul Cihai and Bobby Rebel, and is a joint venture of BRK Media LLC and Stacking Benjamins LLC, copyright 2019. Taylor Eichenberg engineered this show, and Ashley Wall is the producer. For a list of our friends who appear on the podcast, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be part of the show. As with anything, remember you shouldn't take advice from any of us or any other video or podcast without first talking to your financial advisor and that the people in this episode are here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you back here next time with another episode of Money with Friends.